Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. And I am thinking that whoever came up with the idea that little bitty tiny candy bars should be called fun size was an idiot. <laughs> I mean, to, to me, the, the bigger the better. And so the, more, the bigger, the more fun. Let me put it that way. Praise God. Now, this morning I woke up. See, I, I put on my calendar what uh, I, I put on there that, that the, the sermon series right now is prosperity. So I had it on my calendar that prosperity was last week and this week. And uh, so I get this message on my phone that says, prosperity ends at 11 o'clock. And so I'm thinking, you guys, you got 14 minutes to prosper, and then prosperity ends. That's it. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And uh, so anyway, uh, it just struck me as funny this morning. So I thought maybe you would get a... Uh, a laugh out of it, but uh, obviously a couple people did, but some people think, oh, just another dumb joke. And, but uh, anyway, prosperity does not end at 11 o'clock today. Praise God. And so we're going to talk about prospering as your soul prospers. Last week we laid uh, uh, some groundwork for that, and we and, and we dealt with the issue of, of of soul prosperity. What does it mean that your soul prospers, and how do you know when your soul is prospering? We we talked about what your soul is that it consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and how do you know when you're prospering in your mind, will, and emotions? And you see when when you prosper. In your mind, will, and emotions, you need to understand that it is then that you can really begin to prosper as in, in other areas of your life. The, the Apostle John wrote, he says, I, I pray that you uh, prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Praise God. And so if... See, we, we sometimes get uh, uh, things in the wrong order, and, and, and we think that, uh, you know, that, well, if I could just, if I could begin to just, just prosper financially, then I would be 
happy. Maybe if you learn to be happy, maybe you could prosper financially. Okay? You see what I'm saying? And sometimes we get things in the wrong order. And here we need to understand that prospering in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let me give you an example. Someone that, that, uh, that the, the lack of soul prosperity may cause them difficulty in the area of financial prosperity. You ever known somebody that because their emotions were out of control, they couldn't keep a job? You know? They just blow up and, and go quit their job. And, you know, how many know that quitting your job affects your material prosperity? Okay. If you don't know that, then maybe we need to uh, maybe we need to have a class on you know how to keep a job or something like that. But uh, you know, or or how to keep friends or <laughs> you know. Uh, but you know, if if you can't control your emotions, it affects your health. How many people have ever, you know, you've been sick because you couldn't control your emotions? It's your, your will, what you choose, praise God, it is all contained in this part of your being, your soulish realm. It's, it all uh, is, is a part of that. And so we need to learn how to, uh, how to prosper in our soulish realm. And, and it begins with this. And we could really take this into to any area of our life. If we want to be a success in any part of our life, we need to know one thing above all, and that is we need to know Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know what he did about your situation. Praise God. Praise God. And, and when, when you know and understand Jesus and you understand what, you know, there is, there is one word that wraps up every aspect of the gospel. And that is Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus, which means Jehovah is Salvation. Jehovah is salvation. And salvation encompasses every part of our life. You know, you weren't just saved from, uh, from sinning. All right? Many people, that when they, when they hear the word saved, here's what they immediately think about, is they immediately think that that means that uh, I don't sin anymore. Oh, are you saved? Well, well, I still sin sometimes, so maybe I'm not saved. Or, or, or actually, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm saved," but they're actually lying because they they still commit sins. Yeah, 
and 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 they they because they think that saved means they don't sin anymore. But you got to understand that that's not what saved means. Saved means you are you are delivered from the power of it that it no longer has the ability to dominate and control your life, praise God. And if it dominates and controls your life, then you need to grow in your salvation. You need to grow in understanding what your salvation means. You need to grow and understand that, that sin shall not have dominion over you. Praise God. But the same thing could be said of our health. The same thing could be said uh, uh, in, in the financial realm. Poverty shall not have dominion over me. Because the, and the, the, the same definition there would, would apply. Poverty shall not have dominion over me because I am not under law. I am under grace. Praise God. You see, grace is the empowering for your life. Grace is the thing that empowers you to succeed. And the, the uh, person of Jesus is grace. Praise God. So now let's look at this. In Genesis chapter 1, and I, I talked briefly about this last week. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 22, says, God blessed them, saying. So God, the blessing of God is that God has said something. In other words, it's got to be a priority for us to know what God said. He blessed them, saying something. And when God says something... What happens? Okay, I'm, I'm listening, but uh, I'm, I'm only hearing crickets. Okay? So God blessed them by saying when God says something, what happens? It happens. Yes. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And so when God said them, be fruitful, what happened? He made it possible for us to be fruitful. He empowered us to be fruitful. Praise God. When God said, multiply, he made it possible for us to multiply. Do you realize that God said that? He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said that to fish and dogs and cats and birds and, and you know, he, he, he said that to all of his creation. But we get down to man and there's something he said to man that he didn't say to all of the animal life, all the wildlife. He said to man... Have dominion over all the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. That means that you make it your servant. 
He said that, that he gave us the ability to make the earth our servant. It was created before you because it needed to be here in place so it could serve you when you arrived. Praise God. It was created to be, the earth was created to be your servant. You realize that all of the wealth in the earth, it is all, there, there's no new wealth in the earth from creation. From the time of Adam, there is no new wealth in the earth. It's all been here the whole time, and every bit of wealth that will be here is already here. Praise God. So he said, subdue the earth. Make it be your servant. Make it produce. Make it serve you. Praise God. Praise God. And, and throughout time, men have learned how to make the earth serve them. But do you realize that in order to subdue something, there has to be an action on your part? God spoke the blessing. God spoke the blessing. But it is your responsibility to do the action of subduing. Now, one of the ways you do that is you get up and you go to work. You get up and you go to work. You can't just lay around in your hammock and expect wealth to just come. Wealth to just fall on you. Wealth to just, you know, to just uh, come and overpower you. Now, I know that, that the Scripture says that if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Now, we're under the blessing part of it because we're in Christ. Hallelujah. Not because we keep all the commandments, but because we're in Christ. And so, God spoke some things into existence. Now, in... Uh, I want you to get this. What, what has God said? What has he said about your success and your prosperity? That's so important that you get this and that you understand this. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as, uh, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, notice this. In times past, he spoke to us by the prophets. Now, what does that mean? He spoke to us by the prophets. Well, 
I'm sure we, that, that a lot of you may be thinking, well, what the, uh, he's talking about what the prophets said. Well, he is talking about what the prophets said. But do you realize that every detail of the Old Testament is all the prophets speaking? He's speaking to us by the prophets. You realize prophets said certain things, such as the prophet Isaiah. He says, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon us. He's, he's saying these things, but there is much more that is being said by the prophets. Do you realize that when Moses, who was a prophet, in, in the scripture there's, there's an account of Moses striking a rock. And when, when he struck the rock, that water came out of the rock. He didn't say anything verbally, but he said something by what he did. He struck the rock, and that is a prophecy of the fact that Jesus was struck. Jesus was the, the rock of our salvation, and Jesus was struck, and what came out of Jesus? Living water. Praise God. So it's a prophecy of Jesus. Moses, the scripture says, in, in, uh, uh, as the children of Israel were coming out of the land of Egypt, they were in the wilderness, and because they had rebelled, there was serpents that came up in the, in the camp and bit the people. And when they did, the, the people died. These were venomous snakes that, that bit them, and they died. And the scripture says that, Moses went to the Lord about this, and the Lord told him, he said, you make this brazen serpent, and you raise it up on a pole in the middle of the camp, and, and everyone who looks on that brazen serpent will live and not die. Now, brass speaks of judgment. And so the judgment was being lifted up on a pole. Now, here's what Jesus then in, in Luke's gospel said about that. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all unto me. Now, in the context that that scripture is written in, it does not say, I will draw all men to me. People have tried to build their churches based on, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And they thought, well, if we just lift up Jesus, then the church will grow. But that's not what that says. In fact, the word men is not in the original text. The word men is italicized, meaning that it was added by Bible translators and does not appear in the original text. So in order for us to know all what, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all to me. He's talking about in the context, the context is judgment. It says the ruler of this world is judged. And he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to me. But he, but, but he said, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all of this judgment to myself. But back up there, he says, he, he says, now the ruler of this world is judged. So he's clearly talking about judgment. And he says, if you lift me up from the earth, the serpent was brass, remember? 
He says, if you lift me up from the earth, I will draw all the judgment to myself. Who did he say would be lifted up on the, on, on the cross? He says, if as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. He didn't say the son of God. The judgment belonged to man. And he said, so if I be lifted up from, now see, I'm saying all this to, to show you that the prophets spoke things by the things they did, not just by the words they said. And in the same way, he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God said he's spoken to us by his son. So what did his son say? I mean, we could read the red letters, but we would only get part of what his son said. Because God was speaking by his son in every detail of Jesus' life. Every single aspect of Jesus' life, he is speaking to us by his son. Praise God. And so, what did God have to say by his son about our prosperity and our provision? Well, let, let's start at his birth. Now, if you've heard Jesus was poor, uh, let me challenge your, uh, what you've heard, because Jesus was not poor. Jesus was not poor. Now, I don't know why that, well, I, I, I kind of know why, but, uh, you know, why, why that's such a big uh, sacred cow to so many people to say, well, Jesus was poor. But, but in all reality, Jesus was not poor. Let's start at his birth. The Bible tells us that there were wise men from the east or kings from the east that they... Uh, saw the star, and they went to find this Christ child. They went to find Jesus. And when they came to him, the Bible says they opened up their treasures. Now, it's important, what did the wise men say to Herod when they went looking for Jesus? They said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? So they recognized that Jesus was a king. And so they wanted to know where this king that has just been born is. And so they came to find him. And when they found him, the scripture says they opened their treasures and they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, when you realize that if a king comes to your birthday party, you're going to be pretty well set. All right? A king shows up at your birthday party, and he opens up gifts of gold. He's not bringing you just a little tiny necklace that's gold-plated. Now, if a king comes to your birthday party, and he presents to you gold, he is presenting to you a significant amount of gold. Praise God. Frankincense and myrrh, very valuable, highly valuable. So was Jesus poor? I'm saying Jesus financially 
that day when the kings opened up their treasures to him, he was set for, for life financially. You say, well, but doesn't the Bible say that, you know, birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Yes, the Bible does say that. And he said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be aware of this. Because I'm out on the road, and when I'm out on the road, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. He didn't say he didn't have a house. In fact, Bible scholars believe that when you, you remember the story of how that Jesus was preaching in the house and there came these men bringing their friend who was paralyzed on a bed and because they couldn't get him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and tore the roof off and let the man down in front of Jesus. And it's, it's important to note that Bible scholars believe that that house was Jesus' house. So those who say he didn't have a house, and, and you know, that's just wrong. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus could build a house. So Jesus had a house, and, and, and they ask him, uh, or, or when he's in the house, it says that they found out that he was in the house. Literally translated, that should say they found out that he was home. When they found out he was home, then they all went to his home. They all went to Jesus' house, and then these guys went up on the roof and tore his roof off. You know, but, but Jesus had a house. He had a home. He had a place when he was home to lay his head, but when he was on the road, he didn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus had a, he, he was a well-dressed man because the Bible says that when they, were, when they were crucifying him, that they took his robe and gambled for it. Now, you don't gamble for filthy rags, you know, for some, some nasty rags. Nobody gambles for that. They would have just stripped it off of him and thrown it away. But they gamble for it because it was a robe that was of such value that, you know, they all wanted it. And so they cast lots for it is what the Scripture says. So Jesus was not poor. So God, speaking by his Son, showed us that his will is for you to be materially blessed. Praise God. Now, let's, let's move on a little bit. Deuteronomy... Now, let me, let me say this. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. And we talked about the blessing of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what it says. The blessing of the Lord makes one, what? Rich. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. 
rich. Rich means, let's not misunderstand our definitions here. Rich doesn't mean a million dollars, okay? Because to one guy, a million dollars might be a lot. To another guy, it might not be all that much. You see, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Rich just means that you are abundantly supplied. It means that... that uh, now, let, let's look at this word rich. and let, Let's go on down. Um, and uh, the verse says... And I, I'm trying to find the verse that I'm looking for. Um, I'll just have to quote it because it says that you are enriched in all things by him. You are enriched in all things by him. Now, the word enriched there means to add some ingredient that enhances something. All right? You, those of you who cook, Maybe you've bought enriched flour. That means that some ingredient has been added to the flour that makes it taste better, work better, function better for cooking, whatever, but it is. There's something that has been added to this. If I am enriched by you, that means that you add something to my life that makes my life better. You are enriched in all things by him. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, if I need $10 million, a million dollars is a good start. But you see, it's a relative thing. A million dollars, we... I. If I had a million dollars in my hand, I would say I was rich. But some people might not, th- might not think that. Some people might not, may, maybe not see that as rich. And so we've got to get these dollar figures out of our head, and we've got to realize that he's not just talking about dollars. Praise God. Do I, I need to realize that everything I have came from God, and he is never short. He's never out. He never runs out. He never comes up short. And how many of you ever heard of a bank that failed? We've all heard of banks that failed. And people lost large amounts of money in banks that failed. Now, Is my money in better hands with the bank or with God? God's never gone bankrupt. God's never failed. God's never been broke. God's never been audited by the IRS. They've tried. They think when they audit the church, they're auditing God, you know, but that's just not true. Uh, you know, they can't audit God. It's all his, and he can do with it what he wants to. Praise God. But my wealth 
is in better hands with God than it is in the bank. But see, here's where our mentality gets off. We think, well, if it's in the bank, I've got access to it. Does not the Scripture say, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ? That sounds like access, doesn't it? Praise God. And since I know my wealth is more secure in the hands of God, you know, do I need all of it today? No. You know, if I had a lifetime, see, here's, we want all this today. Remember the children of Israel when they come out of the land of Egypt and they wanted manna. And so God gave them manna that, that fell from heaven to, to feed them, and they were given specific instructions. It's the, the instruction said, you are to go out every day and gather the manna that you need for that day. And on the sixth day, you gather enough for the seventh day also, because on the seventh day, you're to rest so God gave them instruction you, on the sixth day, you gather enough for two days. But there were those who went out and they gathered more than they needed for the day. And the Bible says that what was left over bred worms. Now, why did God do it that way? You see, they had this mentality I need to have it in my hands so that that way I am sure that I've got it for tomorrow. Because, but their mentality was it might not be there tomorrow. What does that show? They didn't trust God. They didn't trust what God said, gather enough for today. But they didn't trust God, so therefore they gathered enough for multiple days, and it spoiled, it ruined, it, it bred worms. Because God, above all things, wants you to trust Him. If I had a million dollars in my hand today, I couldn't spend it today. I mean... I might find a way, but uh, if I did, I'd probably be wasting it instead of, uh, uh, instead of spending it. You know, if, if you hand me a million dollars and you say, you got to spend this today, well, I'm going to start buying a bunch of stupid stuff because, you know, but here's the thing. God says, if you trust me, I'll supply all of your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And what does that term by Christ Jesus mean? It means that it was put in God's storehouse by Christ Jesus. Now, by Christ Jesus means that it was put there by the work that he did. Not by the work that I did, but by the work that he did. The scripture says he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. Now, don't get confused. I know I said Jesus wasn't poor. There was a point in which he was poor. 
Through his life and ministry, he was not poor. He was abundantly supplied. But when he went to the cross, he was stripped of everything. And the reason he was stripped of everything at the cross was for you. Praise God. He did not live a life of poverty. He lived a life. He had a money box. He had a treasure to keep up with the money box. Now, what good is a money box if you don't have any money to put in it? You know, we've talked about this with wineskins. Why would God make you a new wineskin and then not fill you with the wine of the Holy Spirit? Why would Jesus have a money box if he didn't have any money? Why would he have a treasure if he didn't have anything to keep count of? Furthermore, when Jesus was having the Last Supper with his disciples and the, uh, Judas got up and he left... The other disciples assumed that Jesus had told him, go give some money to the poor. Now, that's not what Jesus told him. He said, go do what you got to do. But they assumed that Jesus had told them, well, go give something to the poor. Apparently, why would they assume that unless that was a custom? Unless that was something that he customarily did. The, the, the reason that they assumed that he was going to give something to the poor was probably because, most likely because, and I think it's a reasonable assumption to make, that this was something that happened often. This was something that happened rare. If you don't have any money in the money box, how could he go give something out of the money box? Judas was the treasurer. Well, how could he give something out of the money box that was empty? When, the, when Jesus fed the 5,000, the disciples questioned this. They said, you know, uh, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? Because even 100 denarii, a denarii is a day's wage, and I believe, it was, I believe the, the number was 100. But, uh, you know, even 100 denarii, even 100 days wages would not feed all these people. Now, that, that shows that there was an assumption there that he had 100 days wages. But they said, you know, it, it's, we can't even buy that much bread. There was never a question as to whether he had enough money. It was a question of where are we going to buy it? If there's nobody baking bread, nobody got any bread on the shelves, then it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy it. And so th that was the, uh, the assumption that was made. Jesus had this treasure that was stealing from the money box. Jesus knew it, but he was stealing from the money box. Judas, he was a thief. Jesus knew it, but he was fulfilling a purpose that, that Jesus had for him. And so, you know, um, to, to say that Jesus was poor is just incorrect. The Bible doesn't say you shouldn't have riches. It says that you, the Apostle Paul said, don't trust in uncertain riches. 
Don't trust in uncertain riches. You see, when I realize God has spoken by his son, this, this is, we say, well, who cares if Jesus was rich or poor? Well, there are a whole lot of people that think he was poor that care a whole lot. Why do they care? Because that gives them their excuse why they should be poor. How about those of us who don't believe Jesus was poor? That matters too. And the reason it matters is because God has spoken his will by his son. Praise God. And so that tells me that it is not God's will for me to be poor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not preaching this to try to take an offering. Uh, that's, that's not my point at all. My point is that God wants you blessed because there is a world out there that needs to hear the gospel. And it costs money to get the gospel to the world. Praise God. And the more we get the gospel to the world, the more we find out how much it costs. Now, let's look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Those who desire to be rich. In other words, those who have this strong desire to be rich. Now, sometimes people think, well, um, you know, every preacher who has money, it's only because that's all they think about is money. No, I, I told you last week, I think about money more when I don't have any than when I do. Now, uh, that being said, he says, those who desire to be rich... Where's the verse I was reading? I was reading it just a second ago. What did I tell you? And I just, uh, oh, here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money... You ever heard that, the, that money is the root of all evil? It's not what it says, is it? What does yours say? The love of money is the root of all evil. All kinds of evil. For which some, having strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now those who love money. They love money. Notice what it says they have done. They have, in their effort to gain more money, they have strayed from the faith. They've strayed from the faith. And then it says they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How many ever heard of, a, uh, of someone that lost their marriage because they were chasing another dollar? 
How many know people who have turned their back on the Lord because they were chasing money? People who don't have time to go to church because, not to survive, but because they want more money, they work every single Sunday. I understand if a person needs to provide for their, for their family and, and, their, and, and put food on the table, you know, I, I get that. Now, I'm not saying that that's, what, that that's the right way to approach it. Uh, you know, you need to learn to trust God. And, but, but I'm saying that, that I, I get it how that, you know, you, you need to put food on your table. I get that. But I'm saying people that they've got food on their table, they've got a house, they need a, instead of a, driving a three-year-old car, they've got to drive a brand new car. Instead of having uh, just, a, just a house, they have to have a big house. Instead of just having, uh, you know, uh, you know they've got to have a new boat and they have to have a, a new this and a new that and they've got to keep up with it. They, they have to have every new gadget that Apple comes out with. And and so in order to do that, they no longer have time for God. So they have strayed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I've had people whose marriage failed that have said, where we got off track is when we got out of church. I've heard that numerous times. Where we got off track, where we messed up, is where we is when we got out of church. You know, I'm I'm not prophesying anything over you. I'm not telling you that if you get out of church, that your marriage is going to fail. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that it's happened more than once. Now, First Corinthians chapter one, verse number five. It says that you were enriched. This is verse I was trying to find a while ago and I couldn't find it. But you are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge. Notice he said, while you are enriched in everything by him. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 11 says, while you are enriched in... Uh, in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now, Webster's definition, enriched, means to, to make richer, to, uh, or especially an addition or increase of some desirable quality, attribute, or ingredient. You're enriched by him. Praise God. So if you turn away from him chasing money, you're not going to be enriched by him, right? That makes sense? Okay. So in other words, we have to keep him in first place. We have to keep him. You know, the scripture, we, we quoted this scripture, said that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. But then it, the, we also refer to another scripture 
that said that those who love money have departed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They have, in their love of money, they've departed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, take that in contrast. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. You see the contrast there. When, when we begin to realize what God has said and we can trust, it, it really comes down to this. Do I trust God in this area of my life? Do I trust God in this area of my life? And we're talking about prospering. If I'm going to prosper, I have to trust God in this part, this area of my life. Do I trust Him enough to do what He says to do with my money? Do I trust God enough that I'm not going to worry and fret about where my supply is going to come from? You see, the point is, in any area of our life, remember John said, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers. In other words, God says, you focus on me, I'll take care of the other stuff. Praise God. Now, whether that's your finances, whether that's your health, whether that's your relationships, whether it's, you know, what area of your life that you, you need to be more successful in, focus on Him. You know, uh, th this is why we don't preach on money a lot. Occasionally it's important. But we don't need to preach on money a lot. We need to teach you to know Jesus. We need to teach you to focus on Him. Now, we need to know that He, we need you to know that He cares about those things. We need you to know that, uh, you know, we, we probably wouldn't even have to preach on it as much as we do if it weren't for the fact that a lot of you grew up with this idea that God wants you poor. You know, some things we have to spend a little more time on because of the wrong stuff you've heard. We need, we need to talk about money because you heard, you grew up thinking that a Christian should never have any. And we've got to come against that and get that out of your head and get you to hearing what God has said to you by His Son. Praise God. So that you can know that, you know, th there's an old saying, God doesn't care if you have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. You know, and there's a lot of truth to that statement. In other words, he wants to be the focus of your life. He wants to be the most important thing in your life. He will take care of you.
Praise God. The psalmist said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Praise God. He didn't say, I've never been in that situation. No, he said, I've never even seen it. I have never even seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Praise God. So we've got to get past this thing of, you know, and there are cultural things. And please understand this. I grew up in a family that, you know, we were just, we thought of ourselves, we're just hardworking people. And, you know, my family never encouraged me to go to college. My family never encouraged me to do anything but make the best grades you can while you're in school. When you graduate, get the best job you can. And that, that was, you know, I was never encouraged to, to pursue my dreams of, of uh, achieving this or achieving. No, you just get a job, you work hard, and we'll always, be, we'll always be poor, but we'll make it. And that was the mentality. And, and uh, uh, you know, so to, to overcome that, and, and I'm telling you, it has been hard work to try to overcome that mentality. You know, we, we're, we're hard-working, God-loving people. We don't have much. Just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. And for those who didn't get the, the, the joke there, there's, there's an old song that, that that's what it says. Just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. When... Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a, a mansion. <laughs> I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. I'm going to a place that the streets are not paved with gold. They are made of gold all the way through. Praise God. You know, and I'm sorry, but I don't want the the cabin in the corner of glory land because if, if, if I get to heaven, somebody offers me, uh, this, this is your cabin over here in the corner. Say, so get thee behind me, Satan, because that's not what God promised me. That's not what my, that's not what my father promised me. So you got to be out of place. You must not be in the right place here. If you're here to tell me that. And then I might wonder, maybe I didn't go to heaven. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is not heaven, you know. But uh, God wants you blessed, and he wants you blessed abundantly, praise God. So we've got to change. We need a little soul prosperity here. Need a little soul prosperity now, don't get all hung up on what I'm preaching this morning and think about this all the time, you know, and start trying to see, because when we do, whatever we're thinking about all the time is what we're always trying to get. I don't have to try to get what God has provided for me in Christ. You understand that? I don't have to try to get, try to deserve 
well, maybe I can earn more. Maybe I can deserve more. I don't have to try to get what God has promised to me in Christ. Praise God. He has already said something to me. He's already blessed me. And what he said to me empowers me to be a success. Praise God. He's empowered me to be successful at what I set my hand to do. He's empowered the work of my hands. He's empowered my mind to have witty inventions. Praise God. He's empowered my mind to, to, to think clearly, praise God, so that I can have ideas of how, but it's all the blessing of the Lord. He told me to subdue the earth. He told me to make it work for me. Praise God. He didn't mean I've got to come up with all the ideas and all the plans. No, he blessed me. He has spoken something over me. He has spoken something over you. Trust in what he said. How many of you are saved in this room? You're saved, you know. I think most of you are. The rest of you are going to give you a chance here in just a few seconds. Praise God. But if you're saved in this room, let me ask you how you know you're saved. By faith. You're saved because of what he said. Because you know what he said about that situation in your life. You knew you needed to be saved, but knowing you need to be saved doesn't save you. But what he said was he said that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. So you believed, you confessed with your mouth, and you are saved. Praise God. Because you trust what he said. Now, what he said is that you should be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Praise God. He has blessed you by saying something. Praise God. Now we've got to focus in on what he said. Hallelujah. What he said. And trust in what he said. Praise. Doesn't mean you can, be, you can be lazy and not go to work tomorrow. That's not what I said. Because that's part of how you subdue the earth. Praise God. But trust in what he said. Now, next week we're going to start talking about the, the health. He said, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So next week we'll start talking about the health part of what did he say about your health. Praise God. Because the important thing is what he said. Because the saying of it from the mouth of God was the blessing. Praise God. Money in my hand is not the blessing. Money in my hand comes because of the blessing. Get it? Food on my table comes because of the blessing. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today.
for the blessing that you have spoke over us. Father, we thank you that you are for us, have always been for us. Father, that your plan for our lives is that we would prosper in all things and be in health just as our soul prospers. This morning, I want to take a moment and just a moment, and I, I want to first and foremost invite anyone who has never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're viewing me online, I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Because when you receive him as the Lord of your life, it opens you up to the blessing. There is a curse that came into this world, a curse that came for the purpose of destroying you. But Jesus came, and he paid the penalty for your sins so that you could be free from the curse. Praise God. Everything that he did is counted to you. Everything that he did was for you and for your benefit. Praise God. But the most important thing, and the reason this is the most important thing, it's not that God just cares about this, but the reason it's the most important thing is because you can go to heaven poor. You can go to heaven sick. You can go to heaven without experiencing any of the other blessings that he has spoken over you. But you cannot go to heaven without receiving Jesus as your Savior. This is why this is absolutely the most important. Then we can deal with all the other things. Praise God. But Jesus wants you to be born again because except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said, very plain and simple. Praise God. So you can be born again if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you believe. Believing is critical to this. You can say it without believing it. you believe it and you seal that with the words of your mouth according to God's own word you will be saved praise God so if that's you today right where you are whether you're in this room or whether you're viewing online let's all say this together say God in heaven I'm thankful today that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me that he paid the penalty for all of my sins and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life today I choose Jesus I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation and I thank you Jesus for saving me Amen Thank you 
once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.